Romans chapter 15, all through the book of Romans, uh, one of the uh, issues that is constantly being dealt with is the friction between the Jewish believers and the Gentile believers. And they'd all come to faith in the same Christ, but they came from different backgrounds, and the rub was not in the doctrine of the New Testament. The rub was in their rudiments of practice and the history that they had, their cultural differences. And the Jews, they felt like things should be done a certain way, and the Gentiles felt like things should be done a certain way, and uh, so there was a little rub. There was a, a division in the church. And when we come to Romans chapter 15, this theme continues, and the Lord is dealing with this. Through the Apostle Paul, as he writes this letter to the church at Rome, we'll begin our reading in verse number 1 and make our way all the way to verse number 13. The Bible says, We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and ought to please ourselves. Let every one of us please his neighbor for his good to edification. For even Christ pleased not himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of them that reproached thee fell on me. For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. Now, the God of patience and consolation grant you to be like-minded one toward another according to Christ Jesus, that ye may with one mind and one mouth glorify God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Wherefore, receive you one another, as Christ also received us to the glory of God. Now I say that Jesus Christ was a minister of the circumcision for the truth of God, to confirm the promises made unto the fathers, and that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, For this cause I will confess to thee among the Gentiles, and sing unto thy name. And again he saith, Rejoice ye Gentiles with his people. And again, Praise the Lord, all ye Gentiles, and laud him, all ye people. And again, Isaiah saith, There shall be a root of Jesse, and he that shall rise to reign over the Gentiles, in him shall the Gentiles trust. Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that ye may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. Verse 13 is the key, I believe, to the understanding of these first 13 verses. The Bible says in verse 13, Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. Now I don't know about you, but if you've ever been in a moment or in a situation where there was a squabble in a church among church people, the two words that do not first come to mind are joy and and peace. <laughs> and you know what's exciting to me? I praise the Lord for it. I'm able to preach Romans chapter 15 with no example in our own flock, in our own herd, in our own group of people. I don't know of a squabble. I don't know of a division. And um, perhaps this is the way the Lord protects us from having them. But if perhaps in your own heart you've developed some discord from the devil towards someone else, this is your chance to repent of it. 
before it actually comes to light. But I praise the Lord that I have no example. But I'll tell you, when I think about church fusses and problems among church members and church trouble and division, joy and peace are not the things that come to mind. The Bible says in verse 13, Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. Believing what? Believing that ye may abound in hope. Now the Bible and the Apostle Paul says to the church at Rome, he says, I know that there is division. I know that the Jews are angry because the Gentiles aren't honoring the Sabbath. And I know that the Jews are upset because the Gentiles are eating things that we Jews would declare to be unclean. And I know that there's preferences on both sides of the island. I know the Gentiles are aggravated the Jews. I know the Gentiles are feeling like there's no hope for us. The Jews think we are the heathen of the earth. And Paul says, I know that you feel like that there's no hope. He says, I want you to believe. He says, I want you to believe that this church can abound in all hope. I want you to believe and know that this church can hope. Believing that you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. Today's message is titled this, You can abound in hope. There's hope. You can abound in hope. To the church at Rome, you can abound in hope. There's reason to believe that everything's going to be just fine. There's reason to believe that there can be a consensus among people from different backgrounds. There's hope in knowing that God can do a work among a group of very different people. Have you ever noticed how different we all are? I kind of like it. If there's a whole bunch of me's here, it'd be a mess. And I'll just tell you, if there's a whole bunch of you's, it'd be a mess too. God has uniquely put us together for such a time as this. And I want you to know something. You can abound. You can flourish in hope. And you'll be full of hope. You can abound in hope. You can abound in hope. You can have joy. You can have peace. It's going to be possible. The Apostle Paul is sending a hopeful message to a church struggling. To a group of people on one side, the Jews, who really were despising the Gentiles, the stinky Gentiles. And then the Gentiles on the other side were despising and judging the Jews. And there needed to be some unity. And here was the hope. Here's the hope that we could abound in hope. You can abound in hope, number one, when we bear like Jesus. Point number one, we can abound in hope when we bear like Jesus. Now you see what the Bible says, verse number one. We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. 
Now, earlier in chapter 14, the, the Bible talks constantly and consistently about how we need to be careful about these uh, issues that are secondary, these things that are uh, of, of minor importance, these things that are our, our pets, these doubtful disputations. And so the Bible says now there's certain folks among us that are strong in their faith. And those of us who are strong in the faith, we then that are strong, what should we do? We ought to bear the infirmities of the weak. I've been around people through the years who perceive themselves to be strong. They perceive themselves to be really strong Christians, and yet they brought great division among God's people. And generally, the thing they brought great division among God's people about was some minute detail of preference that God would call a doubtful disputation. I saw Pastor Chuck grinning and shaking his head. You ever seen that? Yeah. yeah. Often. I mean, you think, these, there's people who think, man, I'm strong in the faith. But all they want to do is stir up contention among God's people, contention over things that aren't the deity of Christ, the inerrancy of the Scripture. Stir up trouble over things that aren't the essential doctrines of the Bible, but preferences that they've deemed and esteemed in their own hearts, things of utmost importance, but God, for some reason, has left them out in specific detail in the Bible. Let me tell you something. If it is of a dire importance, God did not leave it out in great detail in the Scriptures. The things that you should be willing to die for, for the cause of Christ, you will find it clear in the Bible. And if you don't find it clear in the Bible, don't call yourself a strong Christian if you're willing to bring that issue up and divide a church that's pleasing the Lord. Shame on you. You are haughty. You're puffed up in your own imagination, in your own devices, in the things that you've come to love about religion. You've decided that that's made you some type of mature Christian. But I'll have you know something. The strong Christians, the strong Christians who present to the church that we can abound in hope are the Christians who bear like Jesus. We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak. Now, the Apostle Paul said strong people don't make fusses over minor things. He says, but there are weak Christians who do. And actually, he says the weak Christians, what they have is an infirmity. It's an infirmity. That word I looked it up and studied around on a little bit. Infirmity. It is literally a weakness of mind. A weakness of mind, an unwillingness to have a sound understanding of Scripture, so you end up chasing something. So the Bible says that the strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak. The word bear literally means to carry, to take up, support. I've met a few bears along the way. And God says strong Christians will bear them. Strong Christians will support, help, encourage, take up. There's hope when we bear like Jesus. We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak. 
We should bear them. We should bear with them. We should be patient with them. We should attempt to teach them. What do you want to do when someone upsets you? When someone crosses you? Do you know what the first thing we want to do? We want to cut them off. God says, uh-uh-uh-uh, bear. When someone upsets us, someone offends us, someone does something that's ridiculous or someone that does something that's immature, what do we want to do? We want to be rid of that. We want to give them a piece of our minds. We want to put them in their place. But God says, bear. Bear. Let me tell you something. If you have a living church that is welcoming new people, you are going to have to learn, if you are a strong Christian, to bear infirmities. You're going to have to bear. You're going to have to be patient to help people along, to support them, encourage them, to put up with a few things. I remember my pastor, Clarence Sexton, one time said, he said, I'm always thankful to see someone smoking on the front steps. <laughs> he says, that's good. That's good. He says, he says, it's good. We're always thankful to see folks that, Struggling with things in life, slip into our church, battling with drugs, addiction, etc., etc. It's good. And I'll tell you something, as folks come, and we want them to, and they do, we need to learn to bear. I've been around a number of folks who are so concerned about keeping the church clean that they're unwilling to bear with the infirmities of folks or the difficulties of having children around. If you really want to see me get hot around the collar, I got a fuse about that long. But if you ever get to the dynamite, it's terrible. As a matter of fact, I'm scared of the dynamite. But if you ever want to see me get hot around the collar, you complain about a kid making a mess around here in a really haughty way, and I will be very upset. Because I'll tell you, the alternative is not good. I love it. I love it when I show up on Monday morning in my office and there's candy wrappers in the floor. Praise God. It's wonderful. They come like a train through my office and get candy. I love it. And you know what I really like? And if you parents fuss on them, please don't. You know what I really like? I like when they come out of there like this and their pockets are bulged out. <laughs> and I like their smudges on the windows. And I'm thankful we got some great people who keep this place clean and doing a great job. And it's a big job. But I'm telling you, that's good. And we get to bear with the messes and we should bear with the misunderstandings and the confusion and bear with the troubles that come along and bear with the immature Christians who get upset about things that shouldn't be upset about. We should bear. Look. It should not be a burden as a mature Christian to have to bear. It should be a blessing knowing that you get the opportunity to bear with folks who you're trying to bring the next step in the Christian life. Hey, there's abounding hope for the church when mature Christians bear, support, carry those who need the help. The Bible continues, verse Number one, the Bible says, We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. The Bible says there's, a, there's an opposite of bearing. 
You know what the opposite of bearing is? That selfish, self-serving, self-pleasing spirit and attitude. We should bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. A lot of the times contention in the church is because selfishness in our hearts. Now look, I can become guilty of it and you can too. We need to ask God to search our hearts and protect us from this form of evil, selfishness. He says, bear the infirmities of the weak and not please ourselves. And not please ourselves. Selflessness is a sign of spiritual maturity. The idea that if I have to give up a little something in order to be a blessing to somebody else, that's no problem. If I have to put up with something in order that God might work in the hearts of someone else, that's no problem. And it doesn't take long to be around a Christian to know that they're the kind of people who are willing to bear rather than than please themselves. God help us. You see, when we bear like Jesus, we can abound in hope. As a church, we bear the infirmities of the weak. We please not ourselves. Verse number 2, the Bible says, Let every one of us please his neighbor for his good and to edification. Let every one of us please his neighbor. Well, I like that phrase. Now, now this is not teaching us to be man-pleasers. But it is teaching us to be concerned and actually more concerned about the person that's seated beside of you than you are concerned about yourself. Let me tell you something. There will never, ever, ever be a fight over somebody taking your seat if you care more about your neighbor than you do yourself. There'll never be a fuss or a fight in a church at all if you care more about pleasing your neighbor than you do yourself. The Apostle Paul said, listen, folks. He said, you Jews, if you'll just learn to love the Gentiles and prefer them over yourselves, the problem goes away. And you Gentiles, if you'll learn to bear with the Jews and begin to try to understand where they come from. And a lifetime of habit and cultures, something hard to overcome. Gentiles, if you just bear with them and love your neighbor better than you do yourself, this will take care of itself. It's very hopeful. The situation we're in, mature Christians, is very hopeful. We can bear. He gives some details. Let every one of us please his neighbor, please his neighbor for his good. Let me tell you, ask you something. Is your burden to see good come to the people in your fellowship, in your church? Oh, I pray it is. Now, let me just tell you, if you ever get the spot, and it happens all the time, if you ever get the spot where this one person just irks you to no end, this one person just gets on your, it doesn't matter. They can walk in the room and automatically you're like, Ugh. and you may have some calls to in your spirit. But let me tell you something. If you get the place where you are irked by any person in this family, then it's not their problem. It's yours. You see, you should prefer your neighbor above yourself. It says you're going to have to bear with them. It, it says, it doesn't say they're going to be perfect and therefore you'll have an easy time. The Bible says they've got infirmities. 
They're messed up. And you're going to have to bear. Let me tell you something. If you want something other than good for anybody in your church, then you're the reason the Apostle Paul needed to write Romans chapter number 15 because you've become selfish and not bearing. He says you need to determine that you want good for your neighbor. You want good for your neighbor. The Bible says, let every one of us please his neighbor, verse number 2, for his good to edification. I love the word edification. An edifice is a building. Building up. What are we to do? We're to build up one another. Well, it's easy to tear each other down, isn't it? You know, you rarely tear each other down to your to them to their faces. There's actually a time where you can actually edify somebody by confronting them with the issues that bother you. But there's never a good time to tear someone down behind their back. To gossip and complain and bicker and gripe and spread discontent among God's people. So the Apostle Paul said, now listen. There is abounding hope for this church at Rome. You're going to have to bear. You're going to have to love your neighbor. You're going to have to bear your neighbor. You're going to have to bear your neighbor in his infirmities. You're going to have to think and do good for him. And you're going to have to edify him. You're going to have to build them up. Build them up. Oh, I love situations where Christian people have the opportunity to take up for other Christians. Support them, encourage them, help them. Get their back. It's bearing. See, there's abounding, abounding hope when we bear like Jesus. The Bible says, verse 3, here's the like Jesus part. For even Christ pleased not himself. Who's our great example? Christ is our example. For even Christ pleased not himself. But as it is written, the reproaches of them that reproach thee fell on me. Now, the Bible just says that God's Word says that the reproach of all men fell on Jesus. And he bore that. He didn't prefer himself, as a matter of fact. He humbled himself and became obedient to death. And just like Jesus bore the reproach of the whole world and all of sin, we should be willing, as God's people, to bear up and help others. Spirit that bears as one Produces a hopeful church. We act like Jesus. The Bible says Jesus took it on himself. In verse 4, what a beautiful verse. The Bible says, For whatsoever things were written aforetime, were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. Now, this verse is often used by itself, and that's fine. It's a beautiful verse. It's one that you can post on your wall. If you love God's Word, this is a great verse about God's word. But the context of scripture is, if, is that the apostle Paul is proving that it's hopeful and right for us to bear up under people that are troubled or troubling or obnoxious or infirmed. The Bible says whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning. What's the, and basically he just wants you to know the Bible teaches that you should bear up too. Jesus bore up, 
Jesus bore the infirmities of the weak. Jesus put up with us. And you should too. That's what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that we're to be that kind of person, that we, through patience, how are we to live? Patiently. How many of you find yourself very patient with people that get on your nerves? Have you ever had a run-in with somebody in the church? And they're really annoying. But your immediate response to them is always patience. (laughs) You bunch of sinners. I remember one time, I hadn't been pastoring very long, and this guy's giving us great grief. And eventually the Lord gave me the opportunity to take care of it the right way. But I remember one day he made me so mad. He made me so mad. And I was done. He hit the dynamite. And I'd left my office to get, get from, from my office to the auditorium. There was, a, there was a walkway outside. I'd slung the door open in my office, and I was marching right into the auditorium. And I flung the auditorium door open. And one of my deacons, a faithful guy, he said, Whoa, what are you doing? He said, I'm fig-, and he knew what was going on. I said, I'm fixing this once and for all. And he looked at me and he said, Maybe we ought to wait just a minute. And he gave me just enough time to not make a big mess, and I'm thankful for him. I took care of it a little bit later, took care of it the right way, took care of it with force and righteously. But he stopped me, and I'm thankful for that. Because I'll just tell you something, I wasn't patient like the Bible teaches us to be patient. And we should be. Now, about the time you get ready to blow your lid and lose it, because they did that again. You ever been there? You remind yourself that Jesus bore the infirmities of the weak. We, like Jesus, are to bear the infirmities of the weak. The Word of God teaches us that we're to bear the infirmities of the weak. And do good, not evil, and edify, and not tear down. The Bible says, whatsoever things were written aforetime, were written, verse before, for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. What's he say? There's hope in waiting on the Lord and doing things the right way and bearing. Not only does Jesus bear, not only does the Bible teach that we should bear, but the Bible also teaches that God is a God of patience. Now the God of patience and consolation grant you to be like-minded one toward another according to Christ Jesus. And God is patient. Aren't you glad God's patient with you? Now listen, you just imagine for a minute, you get impatient with somebody and you've had all you can stand and you're tired of bearing. Do you just remember to treat those people the way you know God has to treat you? And if for some reason you think that you're so perfect that God does not have to be patient with you. The Bible says of you, if you say you have no sin, you make God a liar and the truth's not in you. Apostle Paul says, listen, Jesus bore, the Bible says bear, God bears with us. He's the God of patience and consolation. He says, be like-minded with Jesus. Be like-minded with God the Father. Be like-minded with God the Holy Spirit. Be like-minded and be selfless and patient. We'll be glad you did. The Bible says in verse 6, that ye may be with one mind. One mind. Boy, I'll tell you, it's a good thing to have the same mind as Christ. 
Not only is it good to have the same mind as Christ, but and one mouth. It's good to have the same mouth as Christ. You know what happens? We lose our minds, then we run our mouths, and we don't bear. And you know what the product is? Strife. In the very place where there's supposed to be hope and peace, in the very place where there's supposed to be the opportunity to see the lost come to faith in Christ, we lose our minds, run our mouths, and we fail to bear. We're to bear. The Bible says that you may be with one mind, one mouth, glorifying God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. We can have abounding hope in our church, number one, when we bear like Jesus. Number two, we can have abounding hope in our church when we receive like Jesus. The next key word we find in verse number seven. The Bible says, Wherefore, receive ye one another as Christ also received us to the glory of God. The word receive, it's a simple word, but it's a word that's very important. Receive. I found the definition of the word receive in a concordance. The biblical use of the word receive is this. Receive means take as one's companion. Have you ever thought about being a friend to the person that drives you nuts? They'll probably still drive you nuts, but if you're determined to be their friend and you want to help them, you may change the course of things, and you may find out they're not so bad after all. As a matter of fact, that's how lots of marriages happen. Isn't it funny how you end up marrying the guy that you thought was the most obnoxious thing you've ever met, and all the wives said, amen. There was a season when Ruth and I uh, were between dating. She was annoyed with me. When she saw me, it was annoying. But then she decided to bear up under me and receive me. And she's trained me and made me into a perfect husband almost. (laughs) Just kidding. She rolled her eyes. Can you believe that? You need to bear. I'm just messing. (laughs) She said she does. But, But in all sincerity, we're to take as one's companion. We're to try to befriend the people that are the least friendly. That's a sign of spiritual maturity, that you're willing to be uncomfortable to help somebody. It's good. Receive, it means take as one's companion. It means take by the hand. It means take into one's home. Here's another thing. I love this definition of receive. Grant access to one's heart. What are we to do? The Bible says we're to receive we're to receive. So Paul says, Jews, I know you don't like the Gentiles, but you're going to have to bear with them and try to understand where they're coming from. And you're to, you need to receive them. You need to bring, I'm not bringing no Gentile into my house. Paul says, well, you should. And the Gentiles, Paul says, listen, Gentiles, you're going to have to bear with the Jews. But you need to try to, figure, try to understand where they're coming from. You need to take them by the hand. You need to befriend them. You need to bring them into your home. (laughs) They won't come to my house. But I can't help but believe when the church received this letter, they began to read it, and God began to work in one person's heart and two people's hearts. And next thing you know, a group of mature Christian Gentiles said, let's just trust God's word and trust God's man, and let's just see if perhaps... As Gentiles, we can, we can extend some graciousness and an invitation and befriend and receive this, these Jews. And they did it. You know what happened? 
And some Jews said, you know, it's not the way we've always done things. But God's word and Jesus has changed our life. And maybe we should bear and receive. Some Jews extended their hand across the aisle and said, hey, how about coming to our house? How about we have a meal together? How about we talk? Can I pray for you? They sent a card or some form of communication and they received. The Bible says we're to take and receive these folks. Grant access to our hearts. The Bible says in verse number 7, Wherefore receive you one another as Christ also received us to the glory of God. Now I say that Jesus was a minister of the circumcision for the truth of God to confirm the promises made in the fathers. He said, now I'm telling you, I know that Jesus was a Jew. The Jew and Gentile issue continues here. He says, I know Jesus was a Jew, and rightfully so. He says in verse 9, and that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy as it is written. He says, remember I talked to you about the Bible's teaching us some things, and the Bible talks about bearing and receiving. He says, the Bible teaches us, and it's written that I will confess to thee among the Gentiles and sing in thy name. They said Jesus was going to be presented to the Gentiles. And verse number 9, and again the Bible says, Rejoice ye Gentiles with his people. Verse number 11, and again the Bible says, Praise the Lord all ye Gentiles and laud him all ye people. And verse number 12 again, Isaiah saith, There shall be a root of Jesse and he that shall rise to reign over the Gentiles. In him shall the Gentiles trust. That word trust and hope, the same as hope in the other place in this chapter. And the Apostle Paul just says, I want you to know something. Now, Jews, if you think that there's no room for those Gentiles in our church, you're wrong. God's Word says that Jesus came for the Gentiles. And you Gentiles, if you think somehow that there's no room for the Jews in our church, you're wrong because Jesus, your Savior, was a Jew. Stop this foolishness. Stop this foolishness. And you believe and remember what the Bible says in verse 13. That the God of hope will fill you with all joy and peace. Believing that ye may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. He says what we all need is we need a bunch of spiritual people in this church who will bear and receive. And when you have that spirit, a bearing spirit and a receiving spirit, he says, I want you to know something about this church. <laughs> we have abounding hope. It's going to be awesome. When we bear and when we receive, <laughs> it's going to be awesome. I pray that's your spirit. I pray when it is not your spirit. Let me tell you something. There will be moments where you're tempted to be impatient. But I pray that it's your spirit. And your spirit says, you know what? I'm going to believe that God can do great things. And I'm going to bear. And I'm going to hope. And I'm going to bear and I'm going to receive. I should say like, I'm going to bear and receive. And I'm going to believe and I'm going to hope. Knowing that this church... It's going to be awesome. 
That's the spirit that Apostle Paul said the church at Rome needs. And I can guarantee you something. That's the spirit that God himself says John Baptist Church needs. A bearing and receiving spirit. That is a church where there's a lot of hope. I'm thankful for it too.